What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Brick layers and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door is supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amal Hawkins. Appreciate you taking time out today to listen to the latest episode of the show. Before we get started, got to salute the sponsors. As always, they keep the podcast going. First of all, shout out to Able Insurance, proud sponsor of the Ball Hawk Show podcast from day one. Go to ableinsurance.net for all your insurance needs. That's home, business, auto, life insurance. When you call and inquire about a policy that fits your needs, make sure you drop the ball hawk show as a reference and they could definitely take care of you. Aber Insurance Service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years. Also, if you're looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further because the ball hawk show sponsor Manscaped have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuff for all white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And also great news. They just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. If you never tried Manscaped products, man, let me let you know something. I got the lawnmower 3.0 bracelet. It's clippers for underneath the waist. You know, a lot of you guys shave with clippers or razors, but this is Something engineered to make sure you don't damage your jewels when you're trying to get rid of all the extra cloudy hairs and stuff. So um, if you if you are interested in Manscaped products, man, go to Manscaped.com. Uh, type in the promo code, the Ballhawk Show, so you get 20% off plus free shipping. So like I said, you heard me say, the Lawnmower 3.0 braces clippers for down below. They got the crop preserver ball, deo- ball deodorant. That's pretty much self-explanatory. They got the crop reviver ball toner. Um, they got the body wash. They got crop mop ball wipes where you could just freshen up down there during the day. Like they literally got wipes you could put in your pocket and make sure you freshen up. Um, they got a lot of products, man. They got cologne that I use as well. Um, so make sure you go to manscaped.com and check out their products. And when you decide which product you want to buy, they also offer shirts and underwear as well. When you get in, into your cart, use promo code Show to get an additional 20% off plus free shipping. Definitely look into Manscaped, man. Take care, of your, take care of your jewels. Take care of your jewels. So let's jump right into this week's episode, man. We recapping the University of Virginia Cavaliers football team. Their latest game versus the Boston College Eagles, in which they were victorious at home on senior day, which is a very special day for um, that recruiting class, man. So successful. You know, now they are eligible basically for four straight years because it's, it's not a criteria. Um, right now we're four and four, five 
four and four in the ACC, five and four overall. But uh, defeated BC, they dropped to six and five overall, five and five in the ACC by a score of forty three to thirty two. Definitely was a good game offensively, man. This was a game if you ever criticize Coach Anai, this is a game you really got to just sip, shut the hell up juice and just tip your hat. Not shut the hell up juice and like you dumb, but you really got to sit back and just tip your hat. Like if you are one of those folks who are only negative and don't ever want to point out the positives, then I can't rock with you like that because, you know, you're you just a Debbie Downer. But if you're a realist and you could say, hey, he had a he called a good game and then, hey, he called a bad game. That's the type of people I want around me because those are accountability folks so let's jump into the stats if this is your first time listening to the podcast make sure you subscribe to the ball hawk show podcast on anchor.fm it's on itunes on spotify um you go to youtube you get video versions uh audio version hey amen i just try to do what i do so like i said it's your first time listening and you haven't subscribed subscribe and then just to give you a gist of how we break down uva games I usually give you stats, some notes uh, provided by VirginiaSports.com, Jeff White, and those good people. And then I give you my breakdown offensively and defensively, uh, what we did good and what we can improve on based off my film breakdown um, since I am previewed to uh, cut-ups. So here we go. Let's jump right into the numbers, the numbers. First downs, UVA had 24, BC had 23. Uh, Net yards rushing. UVA had 262 yards rushing. Boston College had negative seven yards rushing. This is a team that prides themselves on being able to run the football. And, of course, you know, their starter was out. But they had, you know, they got a lot of uh, high praise for their backup running back. And they like his speed. But that's just a testament to our ability to stop the run. Or is it just a testament because they felt like they had an advantage throwing the ball? And I say that because that passing yards... They had 520 yards passing. Just total offense, that's crazy. But in one area, you had 520 yards. UVA had 287 yards passing. So UVA was balanced. They had 42 rush attempts. They had, well, I don't, well, they weren't really balanced because they only had 27 <laughs> passing attempts, but yards, yard total. You know what I'm saying? So, 262 rushing, 287 passing. Uh, UVA had 42 rush attempts. They averaged 6.2 yards per carry. Um, they averaged 10.6 yards per pass attempt, 15 yards per completion. Boston College averaged 11.3 yards per pass attempt, 16.2 yards per completion. Total offense, UVA had 549. Boston College had 513. They ran 66 plays. We ran 69 plays. Uh, so, and the turnovers is, is what that was. Anytime we win the turnover battle this year, we've, we're undefeated. And that trend continue. And usually that's the mantra from a head coach, win the turnover battle. Um, in the pregame on Cavalier Countdown, Antonio Rice, that was his biggest key, win the turnover battle. And the Wahoos won the turnover battle. Um Time of possession was also another key, and we won that 32-10 to 27-50. Third down conversions, we were 4 of 12. They were 5 of 7. And fourth down conversions, there was 1 of 2, and we were 
we didn't attempt anything. So we had 14 points off a turnover. So the, the interception that Devontae Cross created, we scored an interception by Nick Grant. We scored. Um, the one turnover we had for the ill-advised, one ill-advised throw that Brendan Armstrong had before the half, they turned it into three points going into halftime. Um, we had four sacks for 35 yards. They had two sacks for 17 yards. So let's go to some individual stats. Offensively for Virginia, Brendan Armstrong has 17 carries, 130 yards, one touchdown, 60-yard long. Uh, Keaton Thompson had nine carries, 86 yards, two touchdowns, 43-yard long. Uh, Wayne Talapapa only had four carries, 21 yards. He averaged five yards a carry, eight-yard long. Shane Simpson had five carries for 19 yards, six-yard long, averaging 3.8 yards. Ronnie Walker Jr. had four rushes late for 10 yards and a four-yard long. So that lets you know. Um, and I'll talk about why the quarterbacks have more carries than the running backs in a breakdown. Uh, Travis Levy for Boston College had 11 carries for just 31 yards, averaging 2.8 yards an attempt. Um, and then their quarterback, since we sacked him so much, <clears throat> his net was negative 27. So the sacks count towards rushing yards. That's why Brendan lost 17 yards due to the sacks. He actually ran for 147 yards if you take away the sacks. And their quarterback ran for 12 yards if you take away the sacks. <laughs> so um, passing, uh, Dennis Grissel. 32 or 46, three interceptions, but he had 520 yards, four touchdowns. Brendan Armstrong, 19 or 27, one interception, 287, one touchdown. Receiving, Zay Flowers, eight catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns for them. Hunter Long, the nation's leading tight end uh, as far as catches, had eight receptions, 109 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Billy Kemp led the way in receptions for us. He had six for 54 yards for Sean Henry. Led us in yards. He had three catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. And he finally had receptions that didn't count as touchdowns. Um, his first reception of the game went for a touchdown and made him four for four. Then we had two additional big catches. Uh, Lavelle Davis Jr., the air up there, three catches, 66 yards. He left with a head injury, but he looks like he'll be fine um, on the targeting. Uh, Tony Pogen, three catches, 45 yards. Wayne Talapapa, one catch, 10 yards. Keaton Thompson. One catch, seven yards. Terrell Jenner, one catch, seven yards. And Demick Starlin had one catch for three yards. And let's flip to, well, all purpose. Shout out to Shane Simpson, man. He not only wore number 11 in tribute to Charles Snowden, but he was used as a primary kick returner, and he did not disappoint. He had 119 yards in kick return, which has been our best output by far. It was reminiscent of seeing number two Joe Reed back there. He had a 73-yard long, and um, it makes you wonder, you know, why he wasn't back there. Was it because, you know, early in the year, you didn't want to, you know, break down his body because he was splitting uh, reps with Tyler Papa and now with Ronnie Walker available. Now he's available with the injury to TK, or, you know, you don't want Billy Kemp to get beat up back there. So regardless, with him being back there, it adds some definite excitement. So shout out to Shane Simpson. Um, I just want to talk about his returning. And then on defense, Nick Jackson, grown, grown A man, um, 11 tackles. He led the way. Zan Zandier had seven tackles. Nick also had a pass breakup. 
Matt Gam starting for the injured Charles Snowden. Play like he always plays at a high level. Um, he just, you know, has more reps now. Um, he always was like a rotational guy that got in and and held his end of the bargain. We remember when he had the big interception versus Pitt last year. Uh, but he had five tackles. He had one sack. He had two tackles for a loss. He had a uh, forced fumble, and he had a pass breakup. Uh, Cohen King, he got the start at safety. He had five tackles. Uh, Joey Blunt is back. Yes, my man Pink Lotion is back. He had four tackles and a very nice pass breakup um, when he played through the hands of the receiver on a deep post route. Uh, Rob Snyder, another senior. So Zane, Matt, Joey, Rob. I'm going to list who all the seniors is after this. Um, Rob had four tackles. My man Mandy Alonzo, four tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, one pass breakup. He got his hand up and uh, swatted the ball. Um, Devontae Cross had three tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, and an interception. Um, Adib had three tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss. Nick Grant had two tackles and an interception. Uh, my man Jalen Harrison had a tackle. Uh, Terrell Janner had a tackle. D'Angelo Amos, one tackle, one tackle for a loss, and an interception. Tony Pogen tackle. Josh Ahern tackle. Hayden Mitchell tackle. Chase Chalmers tackle. Tommy Chris tackle. So, Let's go ahead and um, talk about some game notes, and then and then we'll have some fun and get into the analytical part. So some team notes, Saturday's win over Boston College is the first in program history. They were 0-6 prior to the win against the Eagles. UVA has won 17 of its last 19 games at Scott Stadium, dating back to 2018. 17-2 at home since 2018. 18. Virginia played its third all-time regular season game at Scott Stadium in the month of December. They are 3-0. Virginia has scored 30-plus points in four straight games. They are 4-0. UVA finished with 59, 549 yards of total offense. It's the first time since 2014, and that was versus Kent State and BYU, that the Cavaliers had 500-plus yards in back-to-back games. They had 518 yards versus Abilene Christian. UVA finished with 262 yards rushing. It marks the third time in 2020. Third time in 2020, the Cavaliers have surpassed 200 yards rushing. UVA held Boston College to negative seven yards rushing. It's the first time UVA has held an opponent to negative yards rushing since 2012 when the Cavaliers held Maryland to negative two yards rushing. UVA held its fourth opponent of 2020 under 100 yards rushing. UVA is 4-0 in those games. UVA is 16-1 all-time under Bronco Mendenhall when holding an opponent to under 100 rushing yards. UVA's 95-yard scoring drive in the second quarter is the second longest drive of the season. UVA has five drives this season of 90 yards or more. Five scoring drives of 90-plus yards in the same season is a UVA single-season record. UVA has won on senior day for the third year in a row. 37 Cavalier fourth, fifth, and sixth year were honored before the game as part of the senior day festivities. These men include, I'm going to go through this quickly. We got Mandy Alonzo. Shout out to him. 
Shout out to D'Angelo Amos, Adib, Joey B, Darius Bratton, Elliot Brown, Dre B, Richard Burney, Danny, Tommy, Devontae, Delaney, Tyler, Matt Gam, Chris, Nick Grant, Nash, Jalen Harrison, Rashawn, Terrell, AJ, Hayden, Brenton, Ryan, Olu, Pojan, Darnell, Dylan, Shane, Heskin, Charles, Rob, Lindell, Ryan, Garrett, Andrew, and Zane. Shout out to those 37 Cavaliers, man. That was honor, man. Definitely, definitely a dope day. Got some player notes. Just want to, you know, get these guys they shine up. Brendan Armstrong finished with 417 yards of total offense. It's the first time a UVA quarterback has 400-plus yards of total offense in back-to-back games. I'm going to say that one more time because there's a lot of good, great quarterbacks that came through the university. Say this one more time. Brendan Armstrong finished with 417 yards of total offense. It's the first time a UVA quarterback has 400-plus yards of total offense and back-to-back games. He had 435 against Abilene Christian. It's only the seventh time in program history a UVA quarterback has recorded 400-plus yards of total offense. Six of the seven quarterbacks that have accomplished this feat have done so since 2016 during the Bronco Mendenhall era. Six of the seven quarterbacks. Man. <sighs> Armstrong finished with a career high 130 yards rushing. He is the first Cavalier in 2020 with 100 plus yards rushing. He is the first UVA quarterback to rush 400 plus yards since. Bryce Perkins did it versus them Hokies. Last year, he ran for 164 against them turkeys. Uh, Armstrong finished with 287 yards passing, 130 yards rushing, one passing TD, one rushing TD. It is his fourth such game this season with at least 200 yards passing, plus, you know, 40-plus rushing, one passing TD, one rushing touchdown, which ties him for the nation's lead. It's the 15th time since 2000 UVA quarterback has reached those plateaus. None of those times have happened since the start of the 2018 season. UVA is 8-1 in those such games. Armstrong also extended the 2020 FBS lead to eight games with 180-plus passing yards and 40-plus rushing yards. Can we just say that boy on fire? He's just on fire. And I'm going to get into... Yeah, let me say that for a little bit later. Um, Armstrong notched a career-long 60-yard rushing touchdown on a third-down sprint in the third quarter. With three field goals, place kicker Brian Delaney became the fifth Cavalier in program history to pass 40-plus made field goals in his career. He has 42 made field goals. Remember when the field goal kicker was a huge issue here? And even this year, everybody was getting... I'm going to say that for later. Say that for later. Ballhawk, say that for later. Quarterback Nick Grant notched his second interception of the season and the fourth of his career in the third quarter. Devontae Cross notched his second interception of the season and the fifth of his career in the second quarter. Uh, We talked about Shane Simpson's 73-yard kickoff return in the first quarter. It was the longest kickoff return by Cavaliers this season. Rashawn Henry, 47-yard touchdown in the second quarter was his fourth catch of the season. All previous three receptions also went for touchdowns. Uh, with the one reception Terrell Jenner had, it extended his active game streak 
with the reception to 24 and Tony Poljan um, extend his actor streak to 21 with his reception. All right. All right. Woo. Got through that. Hold on. Let me get some water before I get to my analytical part. And while, you know what? Let me set the mood while, while I sit with this water because your brother, your boy Ty had to, had to run 300 miles this past month. So why I hydrate myself, let's go ahead and start off the, the music segment. You know, we got to get our mind right. So we have to take it back. If you listen to the preview, you already know what artists I'm going to play now. That's all I'm going to say. If you didn't listen to the preview, you ain't going to know who I'm about to play. But if you listen to the preview, then you know which artists I'm about to play because we about to have a good time. How y'all feel? Look at him. Offense, how y'all feel? We're gonna have a bunk good That's what we've been having. We're gonna have a bunk good what else we be what, what else? What else? What else? We're gonna have okay. a bunk good Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have a bunk good uh-huh. up, What's up, Dr. Nye? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Take it high. Woo. Turn it up some more. Brother. Now I want everybody. Let Brad blow about two chords. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. I'm going to just let that play in the background, man. Hey, man. Let me tell y'all something, man. I don't know how you can't feel good looking at our offense. I don't know how you can have any trepidation now looking at this offense. I'm going to just say one thing. Them boys executing. Are not calling the plays, but at the same time, and look, you got to get your flowers. Like, you got to get salute to Coach and nah, I man. Like, oh, like, since he's been offensive coordinator, they've been kidding. Unless your name is Laser, you've been offensive coordinator here, you've been getting smashed. Like, people just been going in on you. Like, oh, my God, what do you call it? And come on, we need another one. Look, man, this is the same guy. This is, matter of fact, let's keep, it, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. After the loss to Miami, a lot of y'all that's listening right now said we, we would be lucky to win one game. Or more, more than one, because everybody had us beating Abilene Christian. Since Miami, they have not lost a single game. And I tell a lot of people this. As a former player, I don't get up in arms as fast because you can you see things <clears throat> differently. Not saying that a player, just because he played, has more knowledge than you or can predict the future better than you. Everybody want to be Nostradamus. Everybody want to be Miss Cleo and give their predictions. This is why I hate predictions. Even when I'm on shows and people say, hey, give me a prediction on the year or give me a prediction on the game. And I just, you know, you can only go off what you believe, right? People say the eye test. Eye test is just what you, what your bias shows you. That's all it is. Eye test is just a bias, right? So after the Miami game, a lot of folks, their current bias of being losers didn't have them confident, right? A lot of folks don't want to go against the majority because the majority said, yo, we ain't going to be good. It's tough being a minority because it's easy for the majority to pounce on you. 
They'll just dog you. Like, you're dumb. You're dumb. How in the world can you say we can beat North Carolina? Because everybody would say, have you been watching the games? Because people look at outcomes, right? They look at outcomes. And a lot of folks um, ignore outcomes and look at the game in its totality and understand that, you know, just one or two plays. It's not like a consensus of we're just not good right here. We're just not good right there. But you look at a couple plays that made a difference for that outcome. And you say, hey, if we can just correct that, we'll be fine because we can see the improvements in other areas. And we just understand that, hey, Brendan is still the, a young quarterback that's getting his feet up under, under him. And um, we tinkered with some things on defense and that didn't allow us to really pressure the quarterback like we wanted. But, hey, we're going back to what made us successful and guys are adjusting to that. And you saw the difference, you know. So that's why after the Miami game. I just was like, man, this reminds me of last year after we, you know, we lost to Louisville and Miami. Well, you know, Miami then Louisville. And I know we had Duke, but I just was like, yo, it just seemed like North Carolina is always that turning point game that I just felt, you know, even a couple of years ago when we beat them down there, when Lamade Sakias caught that 80 yard uh, pass and then uh, Chris Peace got that sack. It just seemed like. North Carolina's the one team that, yo, we we get it together against. And even though they were high-powered, they had just lost to Florida State, so you figure, oh, they're going to be locked in. But Florida State showed me something about North Carolina is that, yo, if they could get behind or you could take them out of what they like to do, they'll start to press and Nick Howe will start to try to force some things. And I just felt confident. And a lot of people wanted to serve me shut the hell up juice and said I was just being biased and and, you know, I'm a homer and I'll never say nothing bad about the team and blah, 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 blah. And I always just tell them, like, yo, I'm just different from you. Like, I don't get worked up. I just don't get, I just don't. Because I see things differently and I'm preview to a lot of information that a lot of people aren't. So I can't really, when people say why, I really can't give them the answer. Because if I do, I'll be snitching on a lot of inside information I got. So I just sit back and I chill. And I just try to, you know. Give subliminal reasons. Like, yo, I'm telling you, no different than Brendan. This year, I was like, yo, Brendan going to be all right. Everybody was like, I don't know. Yeah, he got a funky, you know, throwing release, and it was a couple of throws he struggled on. And even this game, uh, the pass to Lavelle Davis Jr., the fade route when he was in the slot on trips, not only was the throw not good, but Pogen was wide open. He just locked on Lavelle and, yo, that happens because you can tell in practice that like, yo, if it's single safety high, we got Lavelle. They it, it, it show man to man. If we go to this formation um, by alignment, hey, that's the read. We're going to go to Lavelle. Just a bad throw. We didn't anticipate that we'll have a cornerback trigger and, and Pogen was going to be wide open. So it looked bad. It looked really bad. Because Brendan was just doing what they repped all week. They never repped that scenario. And I, I like... Who would rep that scenario in which where they might trigger even though Pogen going out? Because he was bucking naked open. But, you know, that just takes me back to how it's so easy to be negative, right? So easy to be negative. And I love when people jump out there and then Nostradamus in a negative way and say, oh, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. I need you to have that same energy and tweet how you was wrong. Do that for your boy. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's a lot of folks that do that I follow on Twitter that I interact with. And I salute to y'all for being real G's. But there's a lot of y'all who hide, who threw out this negative energy and swear up and down. It was just 
uh, what what they call it? What's the word I'm looking for, man? When you say things but you don't really mean like reverse psychology. Nah. So this, it takes me to the offense, right? This offensive breakdown. I'm not gonna break up both podcasts. I'm, it's just gonna be one, one whammy. Forget two. Um, looking at it offensively, um, Brennan struggled with just. I don't, I don't want to say he struggled, but he predetermined where he would go with the ball, right? So he would miss some guys that would pop open. And that happened early in the first quarter. But up front, man, offensive line, Coach 2J, you doing your damn, you doing your thug thizzle. Offensive line, y'all look awesome, bro. Y'all look awesome. Y'all was putting foot up in their hind pots. Like y'all was really driving off the ball, really fapping them. You know, we saw from the field versus Louisville. If you didn't see the Louisville game, um, Louisville utilized Cunningham and their ability to run Cunningham. And uh, we saw that. We know Brenton is not as fast as Cunningham, but he's a very capable runner. And that's why you saw Brenton and Keaton shoulder the majority of the rushes versus Boston College. Because a lot of folks were wondering, hey, why are we running with our quarterback so much? It's because... The previous game, Boston College had issues stopping Louisville's design quarterback runs. And I know folks, well, that's Cunningham. He, but just the just schematically, the hat on hat, the alleys that were created. We wasn't looking at the actual runner. We were looking at schematically how they were successful, the lanes that were created. And we felt like our offensive line was better than Louisville. We got one of the best offensive lines in the ACC, point blank period. Would y'all ever believe y'all say that? Because remember how the offensive line used to get dogged? They used to get dogged. Now, they, Brennan has a lot of time back there. Or oh, he always has an escape route. If they bring an extra guy, it's hat on hat, he can identify who the rusher is, and he can get out of dodge. But offensively, though, man, Coach, coach uh, Anai did a, a, a very good job of staying a player ahead of Boston College. The route concepts, the window dressing, understanding how Billy Kemp uh, creates a reaction when you just put him in motion. Understanding how to run counters off his jet sweep action. Understanding when Keaton Thompson comes into the backfield, how they respond to that. Understanding when Lavelle Davis is in the slot with Pogen or if we're using that Zen motion, like the short motion from outside in, how they respond to that and how the linebackers are trying to peak and how we could use our quarterback off of that. Like, it was just so many things that were done in this game that was refreshing to me that just shows that not only was the play calling up to par, but the ability to execute. Because as a coach, you can have the perfect play, but it still boils down to your players executing. So as much as I want to say, yo, doctor, nah, you serving up that great prescription, I also understand that these young men, they get it. Up front, they get it, man. They get it. It's night and day. Yo, they get after it. I mean, they, they, I can't get vulgar, but they put they, they put they high, they put, they put their private parts in the dirt. That's old locker room talk. Like, put it in the dirt. Go get them. And I, I'm just, just impressed, bro. Just impressed by what I see from the offensive line. Cause so many times they were always the scapegoat. Like, we got to go max pro because they can't protect it. But this year, you don't got to go max pro. You can send everybody out, and they protecting. Where they have an occasional breakdown, of course, they're human. 
where defenses beat us schematically and get an extra free rush, of course, they're human. But for the majority of the time, it's a nice, clean pocket for five. And when we run the ball, they are firing off, getting to the second level. They getting a push, baby. That mentality, that mindset, that low and nasty, oh, yeah, it's a mantra for real. And just Brent Armstrong, man, I think he's like, according to PFF, like the highest rated, a top 10 quarter, uh, rated quarterback. He was the highest rated quarterback from this past weekend. And you remember all the people just questioning Brennan, questioning, questioning, questions, because in today's sports, we do not, I said we, we do not allow young players to develop. When you have a very high-level player departure program, we see that new player through the lens of the very great player, and we don't allow them to develop. That's what's so tough about sports today. Fans, we just want results. We don't identify and being real and understanding, hey, yes, he's may, he may be struggling, but we have to give them time to develop. We were so quick to say, get Brennan out of here. Get Brennan out of here. I don't like Brennan. I don't like Brennan. I don't like Brennan. What you got to say now? Like real talk. I know you're going to say, well, this team defense ain't that good. That team ain't that good. That team ain't that good. That team ain't that good. You always got that. You can always think somebody not good. And then when Virginia lose to them, even though they may not have been that good, you're going to be like, well, he lost to that team and they won't that good. You can't have it both ways. Salute the five, man. Give him his props. All y'all that was jumping out the window, give him his props. When he runs the ball, he gives a sudden dead leg. He's of the Taysom Hill uh, build. He's not as fast as Taysom Hill, but he's that strong, punishing runner that Taysom was. But he's a lefty. He's learned how to get skinny in traffic, how to get down. He has some Houdini in him to where he could get swallowed up and still, like, that one run he had where he was swallowed up in the pocket and got up out of there and ran to the left and then ran out of bounds. The game is slowing down. And then he's showing you he got a laser beam. People thought he had a bubble gum on because I told y'all it was just he was trying to utilize the alley-oop throw. And even in my earlier podcast, after the Clemson again, I was like, yo, throw that away, Brennan. Damn that alley-oop throw. Throw the ball. Because these people don't understand how special he is throwing the ball deep. He has a very strong arm. He does. It's just about getting on the same page with each and every receiver, understanding how they stem, understanding how they stack receivers, understanding what they, what they like the ball to be placed. That's why his relationship with Lavelle Davis Jr. is seamless because Lavelle Davis Jr. has a huge catch radius. So he can just whip it to him. On that rollout, that cell concept they ran on a, uh, on a short rollout to the left, that was a big league catch by Lavelle. And that was a big league throw by... Brendan, because he understood, hey, 81 got a huge catch radius. He's 6'7". Yes, the corner's doing a great job of sinking, and I understand this cover too, but he's 6'7", and I'm going to just throw it up here. It may look like an ill-advised throw, but I got a 6'7 cheat code. So let me put it right here, and I trust that he's going to go up and get it, and he did. So he's understanding his target the cohesiveness in this season is night and day from the Duke game 
Because you saw even versus Duke, what's the one receiver he was so comfortable just throwing it up to? It was Lavelle. Again, Lavelle 6'7 and very athletic, great body control. It's a different 6'7 with Pogen, who's that battering ram guy that doesn't have the same coordination because he carries more weight. But even with Pogen, the way he throws the ball to him now, he understands what Pogen likes the ball at. He understands what Billy Kemp likes the ball. He knows that Billy can identify the placement of the ball is Brendan telling me where the threat is at. So it's just a trust factor. Even Henry, he's getting on the same page with Henry because Henry is like Andre Lavroni, man. Henry got a gear that he still hasn't shown everybody. And Brennan knows that. So that first deep ball hit that he threw to Henry, Henry had the DB stacked. And for some reason, he drifted in. And Brennan thought he was going to hit that gear that nobody's seen. And that's why he threw it out there like that. So you saw the post when the safety looked like he was going to pick it off. He threw it because he knew Henry could just go enter that gear. Like, Henry could fly. And I told folks this before the first game of the season. Like, 17 could pick him up and put him down. Thing about him is he has to be more consistent of catching the football. When you got somebody like him threatening on the outside, oh, my God. It's different, man. It's different. That kid could fly. But offensively, we did the damn thing. There's nothing, nothing really, you could say some things bad, but it's minute. So for anybody that had that negative energy for a nine or the offensive line, you got to sip the shut the hell up juice and tip your hat. And to the folks who don't know, when I say shut the hell up juice, that means listen and humble yourself. Because a lot of folks take it for face value because I'm saying shut the hell up. You know what I'm saying? So you got a lot of people who so literal and so petty. Ironically, petty hawk, so you shut the hell up juice, so you got to get petty. But a lot of folks get in their feelings when I, I serve it on social media. And I mean, I really don't care because if you get sensitive, then you really don't pay attention. But I do care because I want to be a good human being. So Petty Hawk don't care, but Ball Hawk cares. So Ball Hawk will sit there and explain it to you. And y'all know where this comes. No, no, I ain't going to get into that. All right, defensively, this is where the brunt of the podcast, the analytical part is going to be, right? Offensively, we did the damn thing. Offensively did it. But defensively, the elephant in the room. A lot of the DMs and and emails and tweets and Instagrams and Facebooks, they're secondary. Like, Ballhawk, secondary, 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 secondary. I'm this age, and they couldn't cover me. I weigh this much, and they can't cover me. They're being facetious. Like, they know that these boys are locked them up. But they're just saying that they're struggling bad, 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 right? This game, to me, was a clear indication that we can get food easily back there. And it's something that they're going to have to look at themselves in the mirror with Coach Howell and just be like, look, damn it. Are you paying attention to film study? Are you paying attention to the threats on your side of the ball? Are you just always focused on what you need to do versus in the totality what the coverage is asking for everybody to do? Because once you understand what everybody is asked to do in coverage, that's when you could be a football player, not a robot. Meaning, if I'm cover three and I got deep thirds, and by formation, I got one threat on my side, and my threat runs a post, I'm going to squeeze the post at the top, field shoulder, but while I'm squeezing the post, I am peeking to the other side of the field that may have three receivers, and I'm trying to find the first crosser 
while I'm holding it until my brother can see that I'm holding it for him. And then I rally back down to the new threat that's coming towards me. And I say that because a lot of times this game, guys were just worried about was worried about their initial threat. We ran some combo zones. We ran some inverts. And inverts is when the safeties actually come down and the corners back up. And they take the deep half, third, just depends on the side of the field. But we would run like a lot of two safety high pre-snap and Joey Blunt would come down and be the hole player, which he's very good at. And sometimes we were like uh, inverted cover three or inverted cover four, meaning that the corner on that side... Basically, the corners got to get their high pots back. And they be the deepest of the deepest. And you allow the safeties to kind of play the digs and the, and the posts and things like that. And then we try to make it look the same. And then you'll have it just be straight. You know, it could be man or cover three. But a lot of times a safety could get caught cheating, right? So a prime example, when Flowers score his first touchdown, he's on Nick Grant's side. He runs a post route. The kid can fly. He's coming from the other side of the field, right? On the boundary side where Cross is at, Cross guy runs like a, a post curl. Or basically, he releases to the inside, and he, and he curls up right behind a linebacker in the vision of, of Amos. I'm going to just say names because I want to teach him. All right. I ain't saying names to demean the young man. I'm saying their names because this is a this is a teaching tip. On that play, you had Joey Blunt coming down to play in this whole area. So on that play where you got flowers from the field running a post route all the way that crosses all the way to the boundary hash, you got Amos who sees cross has a post curl, but he he probably didn't realize that Joey Blunt's going to take that. Or maybe Amos was supposed to take that and Cross was supposed to keep going back. Because again, you're playing thirds. That's what it appears to me when I view the tape. And again, I don't know the call. So I don't know everybody's responsibility. I'm assuming, okay, this is an assumption. Just from my previous expertise in playing in the secondary, because even when Nick's running, he's looking. Even after the touchdown, he looked at somebody else. That's a clear indicator. Like anytime y'all see a defensive back that's nearest to the receiver, beat, well, not beat, but check this out. If you see a defensive back chasing a receiver and a receiver score, keep your eyes looking at the DB. If the DB just looked down, it was on him. But if the DB immediately is trying to find the eye contact of one of his defensive brothers, then his brother blew the covers. So when the, when the young man caught the ball, Nick immediately looked at one of his brothers. I ain't going to say which one. That let me know, aha, that was a blown damn coverage. But Nick going to catch the brunt. Why? Because he's the nearest defender chasing. That's just the human reaction. If you don't know and you never played it, you're going to say, God damn, Nick, you're getting burnt. And that's when I come in the fence like, hey, nah, that one, that one don't want on him. Don't get me wrong. If he get beat, he get beat. That one on him. All right. Now takes me to uh, what's another one? Hernan Long on his touchdown. Oh, even before that, shout out to my man Brandon Lloyd. Me and Brandon Lloyd was having a conversation. The play before Hernan Long scored, um, they ran a dig route. Nick Grant fell, and Zane dropped in the hole, and then Cohen ended up uh, tackling a receiver um, that made a move on Zane when he bowled back. 
And I thought that they were still in some type of short zone because the way that Nick was playing. Um, and when I reviewed it from the end zone copy, I realized that they were in man and that Nick just fell. And that was on him. So salute to Brandon. I already sent him some, but I want to shout him out on the podcast. Because if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I'm going to tell you, damn, I was wrong. So I was wrong right there. But then Hunter Long, he scores again. Was playing some type of inverted zone because one of the safeties came down. Um, you see Cohen drop back. You see Flowers run the post. Cross is squeezing the squeezing the post. Hunter Long runs it out. You got Nick Jackson out there, and once you see him goes out, Nick settles, and then he runs it up. And Boston College understanding that we were playing a lot of cover three and cover four, they were seeing how we were reacting to post routes and they got smart. They ran a post with a wheel and Hunter was wide open and the post actually ran right into Cohen, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it pulled up right here. But when Devontae squeezed the post, it was like the post ran. Any Look, I'm going to tell you something. As a defensive back, you got to understand, you and your brothers got to be on the same page. You're not in the library. Pre-snap, guys lining up. You know what the coverage is. I'm looking at my brother. Yo, yo, check, 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 check. Uh, check, ch- check the out. Check the post. Combo. Me and you. Me and you. I'm a pat. We're gonna pass stuff off if we playing zone. Even we playing man. If we got an inclination that guys could cross, you call that divide, right? When you got two guys crossing in the plane to try to make you bump into each other, you say combo. Me and you pass off. Meaning we're not gonna cross the same plane. We're gonna make them run to us. Even in zones, it's the same way. If I got cover three and there's two receivers to my side, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my drop. Once I see post, I'm screaming post, 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 post. I'm holding up Phil's shoulder, looking at number two. Even though number two ran out, I'm still telling the safety, post is coming. I may not be able to hold it because you know it's two guys over here. So that's why instead of Chasing it, you chase it and you kind of settle because you already alert that the safety that is coming. So to me, that's just more communication, understanding that, understanding formations, understanding the threats. That's just what that is. Because it, it was another one where you had Nick and, and Cohen on the same side. They had two safeties. Um... And I don't know if there was a man or zone because Nick kind of flipped his, he put his butt. So basically Nick put his butt to the quarterback. So that appears to make it seem like it's a man. And you can see Cohen King kind of looking like combo because it was a post and it was an out. And Cohen King saw the post coming from number one, Nick's guy, but Nick couldn't see him because Nick put his butt to the quarterback. And Corn was trying to tell him, combo, like bump off, take the out. I'll take the post because we're going to run into each other. Couldn't get it communicated. Uh, Corn King had the bow under that post. Flowers gets the uh, out route and almost breaks it. You know, King pushes him out. Um, then another time, Flowers runs a, what I call a Dino route. It gives you a... a, a Three by five, post, stem. He runs to the corner for three steps and goes back to the post. And uh, we're in zone again. Coin King is the guy that's the third guy to the top. 
because Nick, like he's playing short, a short zone, so he backs up. I'm just thinking this in my head. I'm not looking at it. And Flowers does a great job of running that Dino route. And I'm like, damn, how is he wide open? And the backside corner is chasing the dig instead of alerting the safety who's already sitting there and identifies that the dig is coming. And also, not only that, but you got Nick Grant who can see the dig is coming because he's a short guy. And the corner gets caught. And good thing Cohen King is being a football player, not a robot. He stays with Flowers. So I felt like right there, the backside corner should have took the Dino route. Because your threat is leaving. Your threat vacated your area. So that's what I'm saying. You got to identify formations and understanding the totality of the coverage. Again, I could be totally wrong because I'm not in the meeting room. I'm just assuming of what I ran and what I'm looking at that this is probably what happened. So again, we ran more zone than man. And if you're going to run zone, you got to be very intelligent. That's why people always think, oh, man, he's just a zone corner. He ain't doing... When you're a zone corner, you, ve- you got to be very smart. That's why I always really, really respect a guy like Richard Sherman. Guys like Asante Sam. Like, you got to be highly intelligent to play zone as a corner. People think you're just sitting back there. No. You got to decipher a lot. You gotta, your film study has allowed you to foresee where the team's going to run based off where the ball is lined up at. How many threats are to your side? Is who's on? See, a lot of people don't know. It's not just the receivers on your side. Who's on the line of scrimmage? Is it the outside guy that's on the line of scrimmage? Is it the inside guy that's on the line of scrimmage? If it's the inside number, if the number two slot guy's on the line of scrimmage, that's a threat of a corner route coming to you. If number one's on the line of scrimmage, that's a threat that he'll probably run the post, and number two will probably run a wheel route. I, you rarely see wheel routes run with number two on the line of scrimmage and number one off the ball. Why? Because in wheel routes, you want it to be like it takes somebody to clear it out. So you have to identify so many things. You got to look at that ref and see where his fist is at. Is it fist up? Is it back? Like people don't really, with DB, man, it's more than just lining up and looking at somebody and locking up. Hell no. What's the split? What foot he got up? Mm, did you know that? Receivers, depending on what foot they got up, they kind of tipping off what type of route they're going to run, unless the foot is, that foot is always up. Like some receiver coaches teach outside foot up. Some receiver coaches teach inside foot up. But if you're watching film and a guy has his inside foot up, inside foot up, inside foot up, and all of a sudden his outside foot goes up, you're like, why is his outside foot up now? Okay, his inside foot back up. Okay, when his outside foot is up, hmm, he seems like he's running more mesh routes, like he's doing crosser routes, and he wants his backside, he wants his inside foot back so he could tack across the ball immediately versus overstepping himself if his inside foot is up. Or if his outside foot is up, why is he putting his inside foot up? Oh, because he's running three-step and five-step out routes. It's speed outs, one, two, three, you know? So my inside foot is up, hmm, or out. It just depends. Let me see. If I'm running a three-step speed out, my outside foot got to be up because you got one, two, three. Yeah. So if my inside foot is out all the time, up all the time, my outside foot is up, that's letting you know, uh-oh, maybe run the speed out. So that's what I'm saying. And, and, and with the secondary guys, because somebody said, Bullhawk, what, what would you do if you were the coach 
for the secondary guys, first of all, it's late in the year. All I can do is get you to really, really tap into identifying formations versus what we have called the scenario. Technique-wise, I'm a firm believer. If you stay square in your backpedal, you defeat a lot of the receivers. Because if they, if you are, if you remain square, you can break on any route. But once you open up, meaning you put your butt either to the sideline or put your butt to the to the uh, ball, DBs would disappear. I mean, receivers would disappear because we're taught we're going to attack your butt. If you flip your hips, I'm going to attack your butt because that's your blind spot. And once I attack your butt, you gotta, you have to respect that because you can't see me. So if I disappear and you don't see me, yeah, you may cover the route that play, but then I'm going to let my coach know and the quarterback, hey, yo, man, when he flip his hips and I attack his butt, he don't react to it. So let's run a comeback. Well, let's run a speed out. He, he can't see where I'm at. He's going to continue to drift off the field. You know what I'm saying? And, and kudos to Flowers, man. He won, he's, a, he's the best receiver we went against this year. He ran a, a route on Darius Bratton that was top flight. First of, first of all, the scheme was top notch. They, they had uh, tight twins. Number two was on the line of scrimmage. So if number two is on the line of scrimmage, that's letting me know. If you have tight twins, two receivers to the field, and number two is on the line of scrimmage, that's letting me know because I'm older now and, and playing professionally. I'm, I'm saying to myself, four is going to enter a space in which the slot guy is vacating. It's something. So as the play developed, you saw number two immediately go to the post, right? And the beauty about it being tight is that as the outside corner with your outside foot up, you can see number two. Even though you're playing, man, you can see number two, right? You got outside leverage. If the receiver immediately is attacking my sh- outside shoulder, meaning he's w- trying to wide me out or he's coming right at me. Because anytime you're a tight receiver and, I'm, and, and a DB's outside leverage, if you could picture that, like you're, your plane is outside of him, meaning you're boxing me in. If I have an inside route, I'm going to just go inside. I got you beat. But if a receiver sees that as a safety sitting there, he's going he's to run at you to open up the window so the safety won't punch him in the mouth because we had a safety. We had three guys over two. Clary was a safety. They attacked Clary to hold his, um, hold his attention, which he had to respect it because the inside receiver had the slot guy beat to the inside to where Clary had to respect number two. He had to. Flowers did a great job attacking Braddon's outside shoulder, hit it with a little heem-heem, which you teach, and he got Bratton to move off his spot. It didn't matter if Bratton stumbled. He made Bratton move off his spot. Once he made Bratton shuffle to his right two steps, Flowers won. Even, even, if, even if, like I said, even Bratton didn't uh, stumble, right? Just say he just shuffled and maintained his balance. And he drove the ball. It would have been a touchdown because he had him shielded. So when you stem out to the guy that has outside leverage over you and you go back inside, that stem allows, it, it builds a natural shield because we call it a bang throw. As soon as you hit that outside foot, they come back to the post, the short post. That's why they call it a bang route. 
it's a bang throw because you're going it's gonna hit you in your chest and you're gonna get hit by the safety. Anytime somebody say, hey, they about to run a bang eight, it's gonna be a collision. We anticipate collision. Soon as he hit that outside foot, boom, quarterbacks are taught, let it fly and put it in the middle of his chest to protect him. And you saw Flowers caught it. Clary hit him. Clary did the best he can do. Like he had to honor number two. It was just a great route. Cause Bratton was still there. Just a great route. So that's see that those are times where you can't just say, God damn, my DBs can't check nobody. It's like, nah, safety did it. That, 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 that receiver ran a good ass route. Tip your hat. You feel me? Cause again, we go back to flowers again, right? Again, I don't know if we were zone or if we were man, but he was tight split. Nick had the same alignment that they had versus on, on that touchdown versus Braden. And that boy, Zay Flowers, ran an a out route, and Nick kind of settled because he thought it was really going to be an out route, and he made it a up. And when I tell you he put it in another damn gear, it's a good thing the quarterback don't have the strongest of the arm, and Nick did what he was supposed to do, finish, and he went and got an interception. But, man, when I tell you that boy picked him up and put him down, good gracious. That's why I was impressed by, by Flowers. He impressed me a lot. But as far as the secondary, man, communication is the key. Understanding what the formations are, are, are telling you based upon the coverage that you have. You have to communicate, 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 communicate. And lastly, you guys got to make sure your hips are down. You're playing too high. That's why you can't transition better. Because even when you see the route, you can't get out of your break because you're just too high. I think you're just being complacent in your pedal, if that makes sense. That's why when, when you – and Nick did a great job of, of helping Nick Grant on a, back, on a backside post. You guys remember on the deep ball when Nick went by, went back, and the guys, you know, slowed down to court the ball. That's what I mean by understanding coverage and what to look for. Nick did it perfectly. He just didn't finish as well as he wanted to because – if his eyes on a quarterback, because it's zone, instead of trying to get to where the receiver was at, but already being back there and looking back, he can come back downhill. So even that, when you he because he 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 immediately pointed and let the safety know, hey, post is coming, and then he started looking for work from the backside, which he was helping the corner because it was another invert. So you know, there were times where we passed things off well, but you can see that we were getting confused. Just because we wasn't communicating, wasn't identifying pre-snap what could come. This is why it's indicative to talk, 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 talk. Watch film together as a unit. Go over the script of, hey, versus this play, we in cover three. What we going to do? Cover two. If you're in cover two, man, you just can't settle. We got to start making sure we sinking first and then coming back down here. Because a lot of times in the boundary... The tight end a hook up and we taking number two, which we call the bait. And then the guy behind us is just running willy-nilly and he one-on-one versus safety. I do want to see our, our corners get some ground more and rally down to the short. Stop taking the bait. I done talked enough about defensive bait. I probably done lost a lot of y'all and I apologize, but I just wanted to put it out there for them to really let them know that, hey, man, this is not really off of ability. This is off just visual recognition, right? You don't have to be the fastest. People think you got to be fast to play corner. You do not. You got to be able to foresee what's going to happen. Anticipation is foreseeing what's going to take place instinctively. 
And instincts kick in when you have repeatedly practiced something over and over and over and over and over again and visualized and seen it. That's instincts. So I know a lot of people like four, 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 three guys. Oh, he's so fast. That don't mean jack. You know how many people have gotten abused and they run real fast? It's because they're a box of rocks. You can route them up. You can set them up. For our guys, if we got to have to play a lot of zone because defensively we didn't have our two best pass rushers and we did what we could. Matt Gam did a hell of a job dropping in coverage this game. Zane did a hell of a job. Nick did it. They did a hell of a job dropping. Those guys were communicating and dropping. We just had to, as a totality, it was something new because we we're so used to just playing man. But it just amazed me and salute to the linebackers. They did a hell of a job for the majority of the time of, of dropping, man. They really gave a lot of ground. And then they started catching underneath stuff, but our backers started compensating and trying to help the confusion on the back end. So that's all I got for you, man. That's over an hour for me just trying to, you know, get my insight. But the DBs, you know, Virginia Tech going to see this film. They're going to attack you the same way. They not Boston College. <clears throat> you know, Virginia Tech likes to run the ball, but we'll, we'll talk about them turkeys later, man. That's all I got for y'all, man. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully, I answered all the questions. I had various emails on the secondary. So, hopefully, you guys, you know, stuck around and got to hear what I had to say. Let me know on Twitter, Instagram, uh, you, uh, YouTube, Facebook, email theballhawk9 at gmail.com. Um, all the Facebook groups I'm in, let me know what you thought about the breakdown of the secondary. If you need more information, just hit me up, man. I'm easy to access, and I try to answer back to any and everybody, man. It's the Ballhawk. Subscribe. Um, go to sthujuice.com. Get your Shut the Hell Up Juice apparel. Make sure you go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code the Ballhawk Show. Uh, shout out to Abra Insurance. Just uh, use me as a reference, and uh, take care of you with your policy, man. I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.